millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to Luke Law, a quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I show some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. This episode is the final part of a 2020 trilogy loosely themed around water, a topic dear to my heart as the water is up there with trees when it comes to nature-based peril. We're going to take the definitely only metaphorical dive into miscellaneous waterways this episode. Part 1 was the oceans, part 2 was lakes, part 3 is swamps, bogs, marshes, and otherwise still trying to kill you small and natural water features. I actually did a bog witch on the last Halloween special. It's such a common trope, I don't expect to ever struggle to find more of them. Anyway, on with the miscellaneous waterways show covering terrible things you'll find not specifically in the ocean or lakes. Always remember the GSG PSA on nature, folks. Stay away from it, especially trees and water, or you'll be sorry. The Strangle Happy Bukovac I feel like I'm cheating a little of this Slavic monster, as they can also be seen reported around lakes, but pools and swamps may also contain one. They kinda get around. Signs of a Bukovac occupying a nearby waterway are similar to that of a Chubacabra, only with a different murder MO. The dead animals that show a nearby resident Bukovac turn up strangled, not even fed upon, which links with multiple references to a Bukovac as demonic. It may not even need to feed, so instead exists on a diet of mischief and malice. Being described as a large lizard with three pairs of legs, also frequently depicted with a serious looking set of horns, plus some nasty teeth to back them up. That the Bukovac chooses to strangle its chosen victims is a worrying insight into its motivation. It wants to feel the life slowly drain from its chosen casualty. It's a chonking great demon lizard. It doesn't need to strangle things to death. It's not a constrictor hunter. It's a devilish looking crocodile monster with bonus pointy bits. Yet goring to death or simply biting for the finish isn't what the Bukovac wants. It's not a hunter at all from the look of it. Not appearing to feed from the corpses it creates. This thing is killing for fun. Whenever I see something referred to as a demon, I tend to dismiss that out of hand as a default Christianized stamp of disapproval and dig deeper to see what kind of creature this may in fact be. But this creature is sadistic and may not require mortal sustenance given how it leaves strangled to death victims around for others to find and be horrified at. The Bukovac may well and truly deserve its label as demonic. Very much an ambush predator, found lurking just under the water 
this is one of the nastiest feeling ones from around the world. Not that Jenny Greenthief or an angry Kappa are somehow nice in comparison, but just like bloody Kelpies, something about the book of that got under my skin. It's setting off my folklore instincts as one of the really bad ones. Something that in turn is also kind of fascinating to me, so I may be back to look at the Bukovac in further detail at some point. The Dartmoor Witch Well, I wanted a bug witch for this episode, and I sure got one. On Dartmoor, at Vixen Tor. This is the legend of Vixiana the Bog Witch. Now, the name Vixiana may bring to mind pleasant images of a foxy lady. Don't allow your mind to drift there. It would end about as well as hugging the Bathgos from The Shining. Vixiana is somewhat of a classical hag, with a few twists. Six foot tall and thin as a rake, with two teeth to her name and supposedly always stinking rather strongly of sheep urine. The sheep urine thing being quite impressive, by the way, as every living thing including the sheep would flee her presence, as she took to carrying around a large, gnarled gore stick to club animals with for fun. Although pretty imposing in size and club happy, Vixiana wasn't especially a physical threat to people, although I wouldn't really fancy my chances there. Where she became dangerous would be with the horrible, and if all goes right for her, fatal, pranks she played with her magic. Perched on the top of Vixen Tor, the cantankerous witch would watch for travellers strain too close to her territory. Once spotting a poor fool getting too close, Vixiana would raise fog from the moor to blind the traveller and trick them with her magic to wander ever closer to the base of the tor. Neither the magic itself nor the ghost club are what would end the life of a traveller though. The witch played a different game. At the base of Vixen Tor is a deceptively deep patch of bog where seemingly solid ground will swallow you up in filthy waters too thick to swim in and too thin to find purchase upon. Once bewitched to their doom, Vixiana banishes her fog so the sinking traveller can see what's happening to them. The disgusting bog waters that seem like solid ground only seconds before swallowing them up, with the cackling hag pointing down at them from her perch, giving her poor victims full clarity right at the end so they can die not in confusion, but in a terror born of full clarity. Eventually a local folk hero took it upon themselves to kill the vile witch in her own trap. Oki the Moor Man let himself be caught in Vixiana's tricks up to the point of next to no return, using his knowledge of the moors to avoid the final steps into the bog, then putting on a magic ring to turn invisible and hide. The witch waited a moment, still listening for the splashes and struggles that meant it's time to banish the magical fog and gloat in her victim's final moments. Yet all was quiet. Confused, and her brutal club at the ready in case a final bit of encouragement was needed to have her fun, she banished her fogs. Only there was nothing there. No one about to die that she could then point and laugh at. No traveller to be seen at the edge of the lethal bog needing a quick whack on the head to get them in there. Oki... Free of the magic mists and unable to be seen, circled Vixen Tor and climbed up behind the witch to give her a shove off her perch and into her own trap. Screaming and cursing, only not for long before she was under, the bog witch was dragged down to be the freshest bones on top of her pile of trophies under the treacherous stagnant waters at the foot of her favourite tor. Some stories suggest her terrible body odour nearly saved Vixiana, as the man of the moors physically struggled to get close enough to push her because of it. Vixen Tor is there to see for yourself on Dartmoor, although it is barred from public access. Years of issues with trespassers leading to a crackdown starting in 2003, the giant granite mound being called and off is controversial, and still nets protests as people want to visit the giant mound of granite. Now, this may just be some mean Tory landlord hoarding natural waters for themselves, 
But this is an ex-witch, after all. She was famously defeated. What are the odds that the ghost of Vixiana lurks there even now, waiting to lure in travellers and have the bug swallow them up alive to smother on mosses and brackish water? Surely all these anti-trespassing measures aren't a public front for supernatural danger to try and keep people safe, right? The Guardian Beast of the Billabongs The Australian Bunyip is an odd one to discuss. The word Bunyip now is a shorthand for devil, or evil spirit, or imposter. Something with a distinctive identity very different from the original Aboriginal myths which I'm looking towards today. The name can vary by region, with the appearance even more so. What ties original Bunyip stories together is that they are a large aquatic creature that is black in colour, and they make the homes of the assorted swamps and billabongs of the continent. The descriptions can vary wildly from the covering assorted big cat style creatures that get weirder and vaguer, all the way up to a giant starfish in at least one region. The descriptions could be down to regional variations, but could also relate to the Bunyip as a shapeshifter. I honestly need to look deeper into that point. The key aspects to watch are where you are, swamp or billabong, the colour of the creature being a dark black, large in size, and an aquatic nature. If nothing else, better safe than sorry. Run away. Obviously, it can kill you. It's from Australia. The regular wildlife is on hard mode, so I don't know why you would expect the paranormal fauna to be safe to hug. But the Bunyip is a natural force, an important guardian, not a rampaging monster, so as such needs treating with respect. There are plenty of stories originating in the pre-contact times that warn of the dangers of messing with a Bunyip, as you're very likely to get cursed for your troubles. In one such story, two brothers thought it would be fun to steal away a Bunyip calf. It was not fun. The whole village got washed away in floods, and for good measure the two offenders got transformed into black swans. This seems to track with other Aboriginal Australian folklore I've encountered. People and the creatures themselves have rules they're expected to follow, or else risk being punished by spirits. The Yaramayahu from the Australia Luke Law episode, for example, would be turned to stone by tree spirits if they broke their rules for feeding on humans. The main takeaway here is that as scary as a bunyip may be, they belong in these swamp lands that you should be staying away from anyway, and as fearsome as they may seem, just leave them well alone. This is an incredibly shallow overview of the bunyip, so expect me to return to these someday too. Possibly on future Australia-based outings, but if not there, then on later installments of Misk Waterways maybe. These assorted Billabong Guardians, and the later usage of their name, has me very curious for a deeper dive. A Fearsome Cave Guardian in Africa When I set out to do a miscellaneous waterways episode, I didn't really consider underwater caves. Then, as they popped up in research, of course they are terrifying! They don't even need monsters! This one definitely has a monster though. This is the Groot slang of Africa. While there are stories of this elephant sized, and in some depictions including aspects of elephants, serpents turning up in rivers to terrorise people, it seems to have a distinct and well-known home in a well-known deep cave at Richtersveld, South Africa. The bottomless hole, or wonder pit, is an incredibly sized water-filled cavern network that connects to the sea 40 miles away. This is an immediate hard pass for me, even before you add a giant aquatic serpent. 40 miles of dark water deep beneath the earth, no thank you. Now let's make it worse and discuss who calls the Wonder Pit home. The ginormous elephantine serpent, the Groot Slang, has a no-nonsense approach to humans. You're dead. Whether from the caves it calls home, or the warm lakes and rivers it may holiday across to from there, the Groot Slang is a killer. 
Should the obvious choice of staying the hell away from it no longer be an option, you do have one other way out. The Groot slang is something of a western-style dragon in nature, for they covet precious jewels. A sufficient offering of them will buy you leave to take your chances another day, as the happy hoarder will take a sufficient offering home instead of taking your head. None of your dumb human shiny metals, neither. The Groot slang is discerning, and it needs to be glistening gems to satiate their greed. The home in the Richtersveld bottomless hole is said to be naturally filled with diamonds, and is likely to be part of why the Groot slang calls these caverns their own. Good luck going down there trying to steal from the Groot slang, though, even if they aren't currently in residence. The long, convoluted underwater caverns leading to the sea sound terrifying even when they're monsterless. Then, should they not be monsterless? The Groot slang will kill people for no more crime than existing in its path. I dread to think what it does to thieves. Lincolnshire's Angry Guardian of the Fens. Back to Britain again for what has been quite a globetrotting episode, and back to the show's old friends the Fae by the looks of this one. Tiddy Munn is described as an old man with an overabundance of long tangled white hair who is no taller than a three-year-old child. Alarm bells at this point should already be ringing for regular listeners. Tiddy Munn is also well known for his laughter, which sounds like a peewit bird's call and the region also has folklore of tiddy folk who are imp-like mischief makers who are generally known as benevolent so long as you don't mess with them. So, on the topic of not messing with the nature spirits of the British Isles, let's talk about when people tried to drain Lincolnshire fenlands to make more farmland in the 1650s, messing with the marsh Tiddy Mun calls home. While a far from uncommon practice, and in fact a key one in wiping out malaria in Britain along with pushing the agricultural revolution that in turn supported the industrial revolution, this particular Lincolnshire project wasn't handled too well. As the fenlands were drained in a haphazard way, they led to some unintended areas drying up, and others flooding in alarming ways. One of the flooded areas then being Tiddy Munn's Marsh. Enraged by their home being upended by incompetent humans, Tiddy Mun cursed the nearby villages with a deadly pestilence. In doing this, Tiddy Mun lashing out hurt a lot of people not directly responsible for the floods. The unfortunate villagers being collateral damage when some idiots elsewhere screwed up and enraged a furry creature. The villagers understood this though, and understood the nature of Tiddy Mun. Knowing he is not without mercy, and it being the fault of their rulers in the first place for ruining the local fens, the villagers went to the overflowing marsh Tiddymon called home and chanted his name, begging for help, relief from the curse Tiddymon laid, and help with the floods that are also destroying the villages. Hearing the cries of the villagers and their chanting of his name, Tiddymon eventually relented. His signature peewit bird sounding laugh rang out, and the floods receded along with his pestilence curse. Once again, the moral of the story is not to mess with the fur folk, even the nice ones. That's all for this episode, and a trilogy of aquatic terror is done with for now. A lot of fun to make though, so give me at least half a year and I may well circle around to another Oceans, Lakes, Others series. Something like the Bunyip though you may see elsewhere, with a return to Australia or even an episode of their own depending on how much I can find for them. I'm definitely very open to tips and leads, if not whole stories, you may have on the folklore lurking below the water's surface, waiting for unwary humans to blunder too close. If you do want to contact me, there's the show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com, and the general show email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are really easy to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day contact. 
as well as a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with. If you want to support the show directly, definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. It'll get you access to all sorts of GSG goodies at different tiers, my incentive being that Luke Lore episodes go out to patrons a month early. As ever though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support the show is to give it a listen. Share this around if you think you may know someone who may be interested, leave a review if you get the chance to help signal boost me, and most of all, I simply hope you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.